Have you heard the news that is about? They found a ghost, without a doubt. Twas on Halloween night in the wee small hours, amid the darkness of heavy showers. When travelers four were homeward bent, after a night of fun had been spent, they traveled along at a lively gait, for the night was dark and the hour late. Then, out on the road, a white figure was seen. Then men's hearts quaked, and the girls did scream. While the car was going with all its might, the specter vanished into the night. Our county isn't much for size. Its people rarely take a prize. But as far as thrills, we can surely boast for we've a very modern ghost. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happened in your own backyard. The podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. A carload of four young people, two guys and two girls, were driving home from a dance on a dark and stormy Halloween night in 1930. They were on a dark road going through the woods between the small towns of Rishabucto and Rexton on New Brunswick's east coast when they had a bizarre close encounter with a ghost. They wrote the following very dramatic letter about what happened that night to a Moncton newspaper. The night was pitch black and the rain was coming down in torrents. The wind on that All Saints Day was blowing a living gale. Along a lonely stretch of road between Rishabucto and Rexton, all at once, the figure of a woman clad in white appeared in front of our car. I brought the car to an abrupt stop, opened the door and called out. In the very utterance, my voice stuck in my throat in a gulp of horror. The woman had vanished. I again started the car. In a second, the figure reappeared and sprang on the running board. By this time, the young ladies were screaming with terror. Whether to stop and throw the thing off or to yield to the entreaty of the girls to keep going was past resolving. As we left the bridge, I left the car and floated into a grove near the creek. Both of the girls fainted and one of them required the attention of a physician when we reached Shediac. It was during the Great Depression when unemployment had hit 40% and people couldn't even take solace in a drink, at least legally, because alcohol was prohibited at the time. Back then, ghost stories were rather popular in newspapers and spooky hauntings and small local paper could end up becoming well-known far and wide. This fascination with ghost stories explains why one anonymous Halloween letter by four local teenagers in a small town newspaper in the tiny village of Rexton effectively, in a very modern sense, went viral. That letter by the teenagers was reprinted in newspapers all over Canada and the United States. Also, in a very modern sense, their ghost story invited a flurry of comment on the articles and the sighting kicked off a series of ghost sightings 
near that little town called Rexton. Although back then commenting on a news article required handwriting a letter, buying a stamp, and then mailing it to a newspaper, the types of comments, and the arguments amongst commenters about news articles, would be very familiar to today's social media users. Then, just like now, they even signed their letters with anonymous names. The Moncton Daily Times published a series of letters from someone calling themselves Octogenarian, who wrote that years earlier, there had been a series of sightings of what was called the Kings County Ghost some 45 years before. I might mention many instances of the ghost being seen, for I am a loquacious octogenarian. However, I must confine myself to one instance and make it concise enough to meet editorial requirements. His stories were also reprinted in newspapers around the continent, adding further interest to what then was being called the Spectre of Rexton. The story of the Kent County Ghost has awakened within me memories of childhood days spent with my uncle in Kingston, which is now called Rexton, renamed for the simple and practical reason that there were too many towns named Kingston already, more than 70 years ago. Even in that far-off day, this white-robed woman with the streaming white hair was a frequent visitor. I have known reliable men who have known this Kent County ghost. About 45 years ago, the late Dr. R. L. Botsford was a resident of this city. Early one morning, late in October, the doctor and William Black were returning from a hunting trip. They had nearly reached the road between Kingston and Rishabucto, when a woman dressed in a white dress, her long blonde hair fluttering in the winds, glided from the woods and kept pace with the gyrations of the covered coach in which they were riding. She extended her arms invitingly towards them. Started, they lashed their horse to escape. Much to their horror, the woman floated along next to their fast-moving wagon for two or three minutes, her white hair streaming in the wind, and both hands held out in supplication and a breathless agony of struggle and entreaty on her haggard features. The two men drew their guns, but found themselves overcome by something on her face that made them feel overcome by a wave of pity. The ghostly woman in white floated off into the woods. Perhaps sensibly, the drivers decided to take another road home instead. The curious part was that they later learned that the bridge on the road they had planned on taking was heavily damaged, and had they attempted to cross it in their carriage, they surely would have fallen to their deaths. Not everyone was believers in ghosts, though. Another newspaper wrote in, declaring, This gentleman should be on the stage, or at least have the wisdom and better judgment that comes with old age to not unearth this old story. This reader was annoyed at how many people were coming and disturbing quiet little Rexton to look for a ghost. People have come from afar to view this midnight visitor. This is fear of the unknown. The darkness of the night holds for us mysterious and unknown dangers. 
this is part of a heritage transmitted through the ages when the world was in infancy, and man roamed the wooded plains fighting for daily sustenance against beasts of prey. Strange noises and terrifying screeches in the night still drive us to fear what is not there. Undeterred, Octogenarian rode in again, offering an origin story that he had heard in his youth of the specter that was haunting the woods around Rexton. For those who might be interested in the origin of the ghost, I relate the following, as told me by my uncle. When I was a small child, I visited him in Kingston, which is now Rexton, more than 70 years ago. In the early part of the 19th century, there was a hotel on that road, occupied by a man and his wife named Irwin. The man was of a quarrelsome nature when intoxicated, and passionately jealous of his wife, who was very beautiful. Kingston was at the time a great shipping port, and the ship crews that frequented the Irwin Hotel caused many a fight and gave the place an unsavory reputation. One morning, the Irwin home was found reduced to smoldering ashes and without any visible sign of life about the place, except for Miss Irwin's pet dog that was whining piteously. Dan Irwin, his young wife Emma Irwin, and a boarder named Frank Brown could not be found, and a search of the ashes showed that they had not perished in the flames. About a week afterwards, the peculiar actions of the little dog aroused suspicions that Emma Irwin had been murdered, and her body was being guarded by the dog. Led by the dog, searchers found the woman's body buried in the autumn leaves, and her head was never found. Does this woman's ghost still roam the woods? Who can say? Rather dramatically, he ended his letter by quoting Shakespeare's Hamlet. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Between the octogenarian's widely reprinted ghost stories and the youths seeing the ghost on the road that Halloween, stories of the specter of Rexton spread, attracting even more attention. Longtime Rexton resident J. Donald Fraser later recalled what he called simply the famous ghost who made Rexton famous in 1930 and 1931. The media must have been in quite the slump at the time as this ghost was given wide coverage. The media picked up on the story which was considered front page news. The story was soon picked up and printed all over Canada and the United States. This caused an influx of would-be ghost hunters some of whom came to Rexton from as far away as the United States. Fraser recalled, For quite a long period, sightings were seen by hundreds, and people would drive to this area between Rexton and Rishabucto to see the ghost. This was actually rather dangerous. Some of the ghost seekers carried guns in their cars to take a pot shot if they saw the ghost. Although Fraser didn't consider himself to be superstitious, he got caught up in the uproar and remembered worrying about the ghost while walking along a dark road one moonless night. There was a bit of a moon that night and the Rexton lights, all three of them, were burning merrily. All went well until I passed the last street and headed into the darkness. The thought of the ghost struck me. As I got further along the road, 
I began to feel my hair beginning to stand on end. It was a gravel road, and I found myself starting to tippy-toe along to cut down on any noise. Suddenly, on my right, there was a loud noise in the bushes. I just took off as fast as I could. I must have broken the four-minute mile that night. I remember outrunning a number of rabbits. As he was running, he heard a sound behind him. It turned out it was a police car with the provincials. And the constable offered him a drive. When I made it back to Kathleen's and told her, I damn well saw a ghost. She just smiled and told me, that noise in the bushes was probably just a cow. Maybe, but I didn't stop to look. Ghost fever swept the whole region, and just like Donald Fraser, everyone was now seeing ghosts. Or what they thought were ghosts. This ghost sighting hysteria hit its peak on November 3rd, 1931, when the New Brunswick Provincial Police, who everyone called the Provincials, had to make what is surely one of the most unusual public announcements in the Maritimes history, releasing an official statement explaining to the public that they had not, in fact, shot a ghost. This strange story began earlier that day when an officer at the Provincial's Moncton headquarters spilled a cup of coffee all over himself. He changed out of his coffee-stained white shirt, and he hung it in the window to dry. Passerbys decided that the shirt covered in coffee hung in the window looked like the robe of a ghost stained with blood. This rumor spread fast, and according to the Moncton Daily Times newspaper, Many people made for the provincial's headquarters to see the garb and the guns taken from the ghost, while the police, as well as this newspaper, were besieged with telephone calls from the curious seeking information, only to be told that no capture of the fantastic creature had been effected. But everyone knows that you can't shoot a ghost, right? So why were people so quick to assume that the ghosts had been shot by the provincials? Despite all of the newspaper coverage and these visitors coming from far and wide to search for the ghost, even from the very beginning, there was suspicion amongst the locals that the ghost story was fake and that it was a mere cover for something else that was happening in the woods along the coastal road linking Rexton and Rishabucto. As more and more people sighted the ghostly figure appearing on the road between Rishabucto and Rexton, people who actually saw it began to notice that this particular ghost was displaying some awfully curious traits. Aside from its white dress and its robe, this ghost seemed to be wearing some quite masculine clothes. The ghost also dressed in a very seasonally appropriate manner for the cold late autumn weather, boarding warm clothes and heavy boots. This didn't exactly fit with the original ghost story of a flying, floating, beautiful woman inviting people to join her in the woods. The very day after the rather embarrassing mix-up between a 
coffee-stained shirt, and a ghost who was shot in a police station, a group of five young teenagers departed Moncton. Their names were Lloyd King, Clyde Perry, and the siblings Frank, Lois, and Lena Cusack. And they drove to the dark and wooded road between Rexton and Rishabucto, where the ghost had been frequently spotted. These teens later recounted what happened that evening to the Moncton Daily Times newspaper. We were motoring to Kent County for the express purpose of getting a glimpse of the ghost, which had been alleged to have been seen flitting through the woods considerably of late. It was a clear and bright, crisp, cold autumn night that was very well moonlit. It was perfect weather to catch a ghost. And that was exactly what these teenagers planned to do. We arrived at the place between Rishabukdo and Rexton where Mr. Ghost often appeared. When they got there, they found that 30 other people were already milling about, hoping to catch a sight of the famous ghost. Lena, the youngest of the teenagers, first spotted the ghost. We had not long to wait. A shadowy figure robed in white appeared near the edge of the bushes, quite close to the car, and hobbled or hopped along. The ghost had walked once too often and displayed the poor judgment of choosing a moonlit night for his wanderings. I gave the alarm and our raiding party immediately gave chase. The spooky visitor skipped into the woods with us pursuers close at his heels. The ghost was very tall and very athletic. It was fast and exceedingly agile, and it was a great jumper. It began to escape the young girl chasing it. However, her older friend, Lloyd King, who was a well-known local athlete and a baseball player, caught up, and he continued the chase. Probably sensing imminent danger, the white robe fluttered to the ground as a dark object disappeared into the thicket. We conducted a brief search for the ghost, but failed to find any trace of him. Although we swear that we could hear someone breathing hard. We confiscated the robe, or whatever the garment of a ghost is called. The robe is of flannel with a large hole in it. The hole is pinned with a safety pin in the center to give a two-eye effect. That seems to have been the end of the specter of Rexton. As time passed... A more complete story of what had happened in the woods began to emerge. And it was stranger than any old ghost story. During the hard times of the Great Depression, many desperate unemployed farmers and fishermen turned to an illegal way of making money. Smuggling illegal booze off of European ships waiting offshore through New Brunswick to be sold in the United States for astronomical profits. Kent County, where both Rexton and Rishabukta were located, was an epicenter for importing illegal booze. In an effort to distract the police while they were unloading this illegal booze from the ships and bringing it to the shore, the bootleggers revived an old and mostly forgotten ghost story. It was actually quite an elaborate hoax. At one point, there were wires running between trees and an 
effigy of the ghost being pulled alongside the road to scare people. And they even had a particularly athletic member of these bootleggers dressed up, running around the woods, pretending to be a ghost. And then the bootleggers themselves would call in these ghost sightings to the police to lure them to the scene and keep them occupied while they were running their illegal liquor smuggling operations. The story spiraled out of control by becoming so popular it attracted international attention. That part was an accident. But even that actually helped them. All of the people ghost hunting in Rexton only further distracted the police away from the illegal bootlegging operations. And they would have gotten away with it too, if not for those meddling kids. J. Donald Fraser, voiced by Kaylin Fraser. Lena Cusack, the teenage ghost hunter, voiced by Christy Nichol. The loquacious octogenarian, voiced by Kaylin Fraser. And reading the 1931 poem, The Kent County Ghost, by Edith Wilbur, was Grace Bauer. I'm an actress based in southern Maine, and I played the ghost of Emma Irwin in the 1984 film called Spectre of Rexton. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard. Produced by Jordan Lozier.